Great teachers don't just come from the classroom. They can be found almost anywhere in your life. That's why we, Wade and Hope King, created this podcast to connect you with the stories, the tools, and the joy you need to take education to the next level. Nowadays, everyone's an educator. Whether you chose that career or not. And we're all in this together. So come on, let's do this. It's time to get your teach on. What is up, Get Your Teach On community? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Whew, what a week in education. Um, once again, as educators, we find ourselves being disappointed by the lack of support and protection in our school systems. And I just want to say that I am sorry that once again, our nation has failed teachers and students. And if you are listening to this, um, not this week or in the future, um, this past week, we obviously lost Innocent Lives at Robb Elementary in Uvalde, Texas. And it's devastating, devastating on an educational level and devastating on personal level, just on a level of humanity in general. And um, so on today's podcast, I get to have a conversation with Mark Brackett, and it honestly could not be more timely. Um, Mark is the director at the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence. He's also a professor there in the Child Study Center. He's the co-creator of The Ruler Approach to SEL, and he's the author of a book that I have said for years that every human should read, Permission to Feel, and I still stand by that after my conversation with him, perhaps more strongly um, than I ever have. But um, I'd had this chat planned with him for a while to talk about the book Permission to Feel and the role that it plays in social-emotional learning in schools and the foundation that that lays for true student engagement. Um, But in light of the situations that have happened this past week, I was able to dive a little bit deeper um, as far as our role as educators and how do we continue to show up in classrooms and face our students and have these difficult conversations and welcome all emotions and especially here towards the end of the year. Um, so I was able to to get a lot of insight and wisdom from Mark, and I feel like this is going to be a valuable conversation that every educator needs to hear right now um, about how we continue to show up, but not as a person who has to put on a brave face, but as a person with real authentic emotions. And I just feel like it honestly, after learning from Mark through this podcast, it takes a lot of the pressure off of us and allows us to show up exactly as we are, which is exactly how we want our students to show up every day. So um, I hope that you enjoy this listen. I hope that it um, honestly, without being able to say it any other way, gives you permission to feel now more than ever and that that is okay. So um, without further ado, welcome Mark Brackett to the Get Your Teach On podcast. Well, welcome Mark Brackett to the Get Your Teach On podcast. I am thrilled that you are here and that I have the fortunate opportunity to be able to have a conversation and learn more from you. I appreciate that and I'm excited to be here. 
So Mark, before we dive into some conversation today, um, specifically about your book, Permission to Feel, and the work that you do, can you just kind of introduce yourself? I'm sure our audience already is very familiar with you. Um, we were so honored to be able to have you at our Back to School Rock Your School conference, and was we were able to learn so much from you there. But can you just introduce yourself and kind of let everybody know about the work that you do specifically? Sure. So my formal bio is... Uh... I'm Mark Brackett. I am a professor at Yale University in the Child Study Center, and I'm the founder and the director of the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence. Some of the roles that I have is I'm the co-creator of Ruler, which is an evidence-based approach to social and emotional learning that is now in 3,500 schools across the United States and other countries. Actually, we're celebrated this year that we reach 4 million children, which is just unbelievable to Amazing. me in terms of a dream, a dream becoming a reality. Um, and uh, yeah, let me stop there. <laughs> All right. Well, perfect. Well, I'm so excited to talk to you. I told Mark when he hopped on, I said, this is the first time that I've actually met him in person-ish on a podcast episode. And I told him, I said, I've just read your book, a, a, you know, a couple, four times. That's all. Um, but no, Permission to Feel Thank has you. honestly... Um, been a huge resource to me as, as, as an educator. And, you know, I kind of came across it at a time that I was really struggling with, you know, how to respond to students and, and what to do in situations where, you know, you talk a lot about, and we're going to dive into this today, but really asking people, no, how are you really feeling? And, and then when you open up that door, what that response potentially could be, how we handle that, and and just so many different components. And it has been such an incredible resource to me and so many other educators, you know, especially in, in the times that we're in and seeing, you know, in light of the situation that we just experienced, you know, um, and in light of many situations in education. And so um, I'm excited to talk about, you know, specifically as an educator, how we really wear that hat of being an emotional scientist versus being an emotional judge and how that can help us, you know, with our students every single day. So um, I guess to start off and dive in just a little bit, um, if you can just share a little bit about permission to feel um, the background, I've talked a lot about again how how valuable of a resource it's been to me, but just the background of that book and kind of the the issues that it addresses. Well, I hope we have a couple of hours. Um, <laughs> we, we do uh, all the time, all the time you need, Mark. <laughs> thank you. You know, I've been a, I've been working in the field of emotional intelligence and social and emotional learning for about you know formally 25 years informally I think my whole life, and I felt it was coming up on my 50th birthday, and the truth is that um, for many many years, given the work I do, people ask me about my motivation. You know they say you know Mark you know why are you so passionate about helping schools be emotionally intelligent places for educators and students. And I would say things like, you know, I hated school, which I did. I was a failing student in upper elementary and middle school. I was bullied terribly in school. Um, and that's sort of only like 60 to 70% of the truth. Um, you know, the real story behind my passion for this comes from my traumatic childhood, which is that I was abused as a kid. And um, I was abused by a neighbor for five years of my childhood from when I was five to 10. And like most of us that have had any kind of abuse in our childhoods, it's kept a secret. Um, and I felt, and I'm 49 years old, you know, I'm running around the world trying to teach people the skills of emotional intelligence. Let me just be my true self. 
And so I decided to share a little bit more about my story. And my book is not about that, obviously, as you know. But I felt like it was important for people to just have the context of my development because they're going to be reading something that I wrote. Mm-hmm. And what I've learned over the course of my career is that, you know, that's my story, you know, and hope you have your story and everyone who's listening to this podcast has their story. And I feel as if most of us have felt that we have, um, we have been the only ones who care about our own emotional lives, that nobody's that interested in knowing how you feel. Um, and so permission to feel for me, um, is about changing the mindset of our nation and our world um, to one that all emotions matter. There's no such thing as a bad emotion. Um, and that we all need to strive to be, as you said, you know, emotion scientists and compassionate emotion scientists. And you know, that leads to, which we can talk about in a little bit, the idea that we have to be in context. Homes, schools, communities, we need adults as children around us that give us that permission to feel. Yeah, man, that, you know, when you said, Mark, that you just wanted to be able to show up as yourself, right? Exactly who you were in that space. And, you know, as Get Your Teach On, as an organization, and the platform that we have, we focus so much on student engagement, right? How to get kids to, to where they want to come to school every day, that it's not a place mm-hmm. that they have to come, but it's a place that they want to come. And we talk about student engagement, and I was actually on a pack podcast earlier talking about this too, that we want learning to be fun and exciting, but honestly, none of that can be meaningful for students until we have the baseline, the foundation, which is that connection. And the Correct. basis of that connection is students being able to show up into our classrooms authentically. And, you know, when you spoke on that and what that looked like for you as a kid, too. Yeah, I mean, we have complex identities. And the idea that we have to live in fear of being our true selves right then and there makes learning almost impossible because we can't learn if we feel alienated from ourselves and our surroundings every day when we're in school. And I think the sad part of this is that, you know, we have not really embedded these principles into teacher preparation programs. You know, we don't really um, embed this in the way I think it should be embedded into school systems. You know, unfortunately, social emotional learning is typically seen as an add-on, right? Um, there's a, we go to a workshop or an assembly or we have, you know, a guest speaker. Um, and then we think, oh, I learned something interesting. Um, that's interesting. That's cool. But it's way beyond that's interesting. That's cool. You know, this is about, in my opinion, infusing the principles of emotional intelligence into the immune system. Yeah. The way a superintendent leads a district, the way a school board member interacts at school board meetings, the way principals, you know, lead their buildings and interact with their parents and their faculty and staff, the way teachers interact with each other and our role models are not for kids and the way kids learn and the way they relate to others. And so that's why I'm a real advocate for systemic approaches, which I think is a, is, um, people are afraid of that because it's work. Yeah. And I said, well, that's so is building your biceps. That's right. <laughs> and, you know, and so like, so is eating healthy. So is keeping good hygiene. 
like anything that's going to help you live longer um, and have better mental and physical health is effortful. So let's just call it what it is and do the work. Yeah, that's it. You know, I heard somebody once say that um, as teachers, you know, we're always talking about how it's one more thing on our plates, right? Um, and I heard somebody say, it's not one more thing on your plate. It is the plate. Like yeah. social emotional learning, it is the foundation of everything that we need for students to be able to do and master and to be able to solve and create starts with really where they are emotionally. And so, um, you know, at the start of your book, when you get into, um, you know, you talk about the workshops that you host and obviously you go into so many schools and you start with the question of, you know, how are you feeling? And, and how society typically responds to that is, oh, I'm fine. Um, but then you really dive into, no, but how are you really feeling? And to mm-hmm. me, that is such a powerful question that we can ask as educators with specific with specific students that we're seeing, you know, patterns of, or we're trying to identify where that connection is is missing. Um, but you know, I think one of the biggest things for educators, and I maybe I'm just talking about myself here, and that's fine too. Um, but as educators, it almost becomes scary, and, and I think as humans, not just educators, but as humans, it becomes almost a little scary to really say no. How are you really feeling? Because we're afraid of the response that people will give and what we do with that information. And so can you just kind of speak on that a little bit? I think as teachers, yeah. we tend to shoulder a lot, um, kind of just opening up that dialogue and why we don't have to be afraid of how people will respond to that. Well, this is a big deal for me because there's layers to this. So why don't you ask me how I'm feeling? Cause that would have been nice to do hope. Okay. I will do that. Mark, how are you feeling today? Fine. Yeah. Good. How are you? I'm doing, I'm doing okay. I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good. All right. Now we go back to the podcast, right? So it's (laughs) like, it's transactional. There's no real depth. There's no real conversation. You know, as you opened with, you know, we have a real heaviness in our society right now based on what happened in Texas. And we had to make a decision, for example, this morning with our own team at the Center for Emotional Intelligence. And my uh, associate director and I decided, you know, we're going to send out an email to everybody and say we're going to hold some space for people, mm-hmm. because you know we all walk up, we all have been having feelings about this, and a lot of young moms with kids in elementary school in our center, mm-hmm. and we wanted to provide an opportunity for them to just be in, you know, a Zoom space where they can talk about their feelings, where they can share what's going on in their minds. Um, and honestly, it was just a beautiful thing to spend a half hour with people just connecting. Um, and that's why I think this question, how are you feeling is so, so important because we're expecting people like educators to work all day long and all night. We're expecting kids to be learning and producing from seven thirty in the morning till four o'clock in the afternoon. Then they got other stuff to deal with. And every one of us has feelings during that entire time that are, that are either helping or hindering learning performance. Mm -hmm. And so when you just say fine and you move on, you're not really processing what you're experiencing. And if it's a strong, unpleasant feeling, we need strategies. You know, we all need strategies. And I'll be honest, the truth behind my poor academic performance is not because of my cognitive abilities. You know, I always joke like, I'm a really smart guy. (laughs) <laughs> um, you know, whatever that even means. But, you know, like, 
I got a PhD. I can, you know, I can read, I can write. And, but yet I was a failing student. And some people say to me, like, how is that possible? How did you end up becoming an academic when you, you know, were such a poor student? And I say, I only understood the biology of it, you know, once I got to graduate school, you know, and what was happening for me was that I was in survival mode, as most, you know, kids are who have trauma in their childhoods. Mm -hmm. I'm worrying about, can I get home safely from school today? Will my parents listen to me? Are they going to care? Are they going to support me? Are my teachers going to pay attention to my needs? Are they going to see the pain in my face and help me get through this day because I'm so scared? You know, is the abuser going to stop hurting me? Am I going to have freedom, you know, to be my true self? And you're not thinking that as a kid, or you're not even thinking that as an adult necessarily, but it's what's going on for us. And so when you ask me how I'm feeling, a couple of things. One, I got to believe that you care, you know, because otherwise it's performative, right? It's like, hey, how's it going? Fine, good, bye. And when you say to me, Hope, how are you feeling as your kind of guest or as your child or as your student, I have to look at that facial expression that you're using when you say that, how are you feeling? And I've got to feel like you really want to hear. And then when I share, um, A, I have to have the vocabulary to be able to do it accurately. And what I find is that most people just don't have, you know, very advanced vocabularies about emotions. And then the other piece of this is that when you hear, you've got to be able to handle it and, and, and be able to be comfortable with whatever I tell you. And it might even be about you. <laughs> right? You know, like, you didn't treat me fairly last week, you know, Miss Hope. You know, and um, or I'm feeling really scared because three kids beat me up yesterday on the way home from school. And if your mindset is, well, got to toughen up. Then there goes the relationship and there goes me ever being my true self with you again. Yeah. And so this is why I think we need lots of education in this space and lots of practice. Yeah. Which, you know, when you talked about the fact that so many schools, it's a seminar, it's a, it's an assembly. And that is so true. And like you said, this is such, you know, emotions are very complex. And I've, you know, by the way, I'm just like, can we go ahead and dive into the fact that I have a three-year-old and Mark, if you can help me understand my three-year-olds, that would be ideal. So I'm just going to keep you for a couple hours after. No, but even, um, even with handling and dealing with Maverick and, you know, his expressions and those types of things, you know, after reading your work and doing a lot of research on my own, the power of being able to put a name to something. And and even in my own life, because, you know, I have been very open with this community and with educators in general about struggling myself with anxiety and depression. And the power that was for me when I was feeling like, not like myself, but I didn't know what was wrong with me. I mean, I've, I've shared on this podcast before that I truly thought I was dying. Like I thought I was physically ill. And when I was able to put a specific name to my emotion, that's where the healing could begin. That's where I could learn how to, how to work through those emotions, how to have coping strategies and just the power of being able to name it. But I think that, you know, you're so spot on is that even as an adult, I recognize that I don't have the proper vocabulary to even be able to assign a name to how I'm feeling, but the power that that holds is just incredible. It is, and it's very nuanced. Um, And that's why 
you know, getting granular, as we like to call it, is so important because there's anxiety, there's stress, there's pressure, there's fear, there's overwhelm, there's worry, there's being nervous, there's apprehension, there's panicky. Mm-hmm. Um, and every one of those words has a different definition. And I think most importantly, for most of these concepts, the strategies that we would use to help us deal with those emotions could be completely different. Mm-hmm. And this is where I think the real hard work is, is that, um, for example, I'm pretty much chronically overwhelmed because I pretty much say yes to everything, which is a big problem for me and my assistant too. And most Um, teachers, and most teachers, Mark. So you're in good company. (laughs) Exactly. I'm like, sure, why not? Yeah, of course, I want to do that. Um, And then it's like 11 o'clock at night, and I'm like responding to emails, and I'm like, oh my God, what am I doing? and I'm like in the state of overwhelm. Well, the truth is, until I learn how to say no, I'm not gonna be any less overwhelmed, right? Um, like a behavior change has to happen for me to feel less overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Straightforward, I can, I can schedule my yoga, I can schedule my meditation, which I do, but then it's just another thing on my plate you know, that keeps the day going, and then I'm overwhelmed at the end of the day because I have no freedom. That's right. Whereas, you know, the anxiety, you know, that we're feeling, you know, around the pandemic, around just the uncertainty that teachers have about going to work with all these, mm-hmm. this horror that's happening. Um, you know, we need more than just one strategy, right? We need, you know, systemic change in our schools, but we also need better cognitive strategies. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to be able to say kind things to ourselves to help us deactivate so that we can be more present for our students. You know, one of the things we were talking about this morning is like what's going on your head, in your head as the adult, as the teacher regarding what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Like you don't want the same thing going on in the brains of the children. So we have to learn how to manage our feelings as the adults who are raising and teaching kids, but create the conditions for children to ask questions, um, but we don't want at all for our kids to be in a constant state of fear and worry. Right. Because that's right. going to change their, that's going to literally change their brains um, and make their lives much, much more difficult as they grow older. And so that brings up a whole nother area of regulation, which is what we'll call, you know, uh, co-regulation or interpersonal regulation, where not only do I have to deal with my own emotions, but I gotta find ways to help you with your emotions. Mm-hmm. And something really important there is that, you know, I'm a neurotic introvert, just to put it out there. Um, and so like the strategies that I like to use for me may not be the ones that you like to use, Hope, because mm-hmm. you seem a little bit more outgoing than I am. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> am just a little bit. No, no you're yeah. kind of right, you're kind of right. <laughs> good read, good I can read. Feel, I can feel the, you know, like, the little bit, you know, higher extroversion than I have. And so, like, for you, it might be chatting with a group of friends or going out someplace. And for me, it's disappearing into my home and having some quiet space. And not that we don't need each of these strategies, but our general preference, right, will be different based on our personality, based on our gender, based on our cultural background. And so I just want to say to the educators who are listening... There's no like right or wrong 
when it comes to dealing with feeling, what we have to think about is how to be compassionate scientists with ourselves and our kids to help ourselves and to help kids find the strategies that work best for them. And that is honestly what I found personally to be so empowering about the book Permission to Feel is, you know, really prior to that, it was like, okay, as an educator, all of the information, all of the intel that I'm getting from my students and their stories and their backgrounds and their situations and their traumas or, or whatever that may be. I felt like I had to shoulder all of that myself. Like, how do I solve this for them? And instead, the book Permission to Feel is all about, no, hold on a second. It's not my job to have a solution. It's not my job to have an answer. It's about me empowering my students with strategies for themselves to be able to work through and cope through emotions that they're feeling. And I feel like that makes it so much more manageable as an educator who is in a classroom and, you know, sometimes responsible for 20, 25 human beings. And sometimes, you know, you have up up in the hundreds of students that you're seeing, it is impossible for us to shoulder the weight of every emotion that our students feel. But instead, we don't have to do that. Being able to release that and the way that we release that is by empowering our students with this information so that they can be emotional problem solvers in a sense for themselves. Yeah, the one thing you're making me think about right now, you know, in our work, we have a tool called the mood meter, which, you know, from the inside of my book, which is yes. all the different quadrants. And by the way, um, we just released our brand new app um, that was co-created with the founder and CEO of Pinterest. Um, and a team of volunteers from Pinterest, and it's called How We Feel. And so if people just go to howwefeel.org, they can learn about this free app that takes the mood meter and adds in 36 research-based strategies to help people manage their feelings oh, and track wow. their feelings. It's just it's not even officially released, but I'm allowed to like slowly let people know about it. Um, but importantly, you know, going back to the mood meter, um, which is our tool to help people become more emotionally self-aware. And for those who don't know about it, obviously it's in my book, but the yellow quadrant is high energy and pleasant, like happy and excited. The green is calm and content and tranquil. The red is kind of the anxiety and anger family. And the blue is the sad and down and lonely family. And what I've learned over the last 25 years of doing this work in schools is that teachers subconsciously really only want to share that they're in the yellow quadrant. Good morning, everyone. Mr. Brackett is in the yellow. I'm feeling Nailed hopeful it. and optimistic. <laughs> That's right. And, That's right. Um, and meanwhile, there's a tragedy or meanwhile, they're going through a divorce or meanwhile, there's like, you know, you know, there were, whatever. Life is, you know, we're in a pandemic. And so like kids are thinking to themselves, how could Mr. Brackett be in the yellow right now? <laughs> like, you know, kids in our class can't come to school because of the coronavirus. We're hybrid learning. Nobody knows what the heck's going on. Um, and then they start faking it and they start saying, well, I'm fine, I'm good. And the ho- yeah. everybody's actually becomes inauthentic about how they're feeling. That's right. And so instead, how amazing would it be if we as educators can say, you know something, everyone? I'm having a rough morning. You know, there was so much traffic on the way to school today that I just could not, I was, I was going to be late and I was getting really worried. And honestly, I had a fight with my own son at home and I'm just, I'm still upset about him. But you know what I'm realizing now? I'm with all of you right now. I love teaching. So even though I'm frustrated and a little bit angry at my kid, 
I feel fabulous being here with you. And, you know, let's get into it. And so what have I done? One, I've, been, I've become a human being. I'm not this sage on the stage. I'm this real human being who has a life, who is not afraid to talk about my experiences in age-appropriate, developmentally appropriate ways. Um, I share my, my emotions with people and I share that I have strategies to regulate my emotions with people. Honestly, if I could support schools in getting everyone to get to that place, yeah. I would retire. <laughs> like, <laughs> just getting people to the place where they feel like they can be their true selves in ways that help students see them as being fully human. Yeah. And you know what you did there, I think, speaks so much to educators during, especially during this pandemic, is there is that word, and this has been a powerful word for me, is that word and, that I can be frustrated, you know, with my situation at home or with my child at home or whatever happened with my spouse that morning. And I can also be happy to be there with my students. I can also love teaching. I can also enjoy and look forward to the activities that we're going to do that day. And I think that that has been such a powerful thing for educators because every teacher that is listening to this podcast, when you said educators feel as though they have to show up in that yellow quadrant of, all right, everybody, let's get started this morning. Mm -hmm. We're going to have a great day. We have been conditioned for so long as humans, as educators, not even as humans, but as educators to leave our emotions at the door to, to show up. Oh, well, how you feel at home? You've got to, you can't worry about that because you've got 25 kids depending on you. Right. And I think that you know, that has been such a huge piece of kids also feeling like exactly what you said. Oh, Miss King is excited to teach. So I've got to be excited to learn. And, and Mm -hmm. just, I can't even imagine the pressure and stress that that puts on children who are frustrated, who did have a fight with their own parents on the way to school, or their parents had a fight that night before, or whatever it may be, to now feel like they have to put on that brave face. There's only so much capacity in the brain that now it's consumed with, okay, how do I act a certain way versus how can I just show up and be authentically me and actually learn this? And we're wondering what's standing in the way of kids learning the academics. And most of the time it's that their capacity is so consumed with how they should respond or how they should act about a certain thing that they can't even connect to the academic side. Yeah. What you're bringing up is, you know, technically called emotional labor and that what we do in society as educators, as kids who are growing up, you know, feeling like, like, you know, I'm a gay guy. And so like going up as a gay guy in the 1980s um, in New Jersey, where I'm from, I was, you know, putting on a, trying to be more masculine, you know, whatever that even means, you know, that was, we call that toxic masculinity, right? My Mm -hmm. father was always telling me, son, you got to toughen up. You got to look like a tough guy. Um, And I'm, you know, like, firstly, like, what is a tough guy, you know? Like, think about that for a minute. It's, you know, it brings up a lot of issues for who we are as people. Um, And so then I'm being abused, I'm being bullied. And so a lot of, there's a lot of weight, you know, you know, on, on, on a kid who's going through all that. And you're trying to not show you're terrorized, you know, you're trying to belong and it is so much work. That's the labor piece I'm getting at. It is so much labor um, that it gets in the way of learning, good decision making, 
you know, well-being and mental health. And so imagine what it's like for people, thank goodness we're moving in this direction, you know, where people can be their true selves. Yeah. You know, there's no judgment. Like, think about that. My dogs are excited that we're doing this now. Um, <laughs> I'm glad they're cheering us on. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, what does it mean to, um, or how, how different people's developmental trajectories would be um, if they could just be who they are? Yeah. I mean, the power of authenticity, especially for, you know, like I said, in my own struggle and, you know, having this platform, being an educator and then having a platform and, oh, I've got to show up as always having it all together and having, and I think that's just the nature of being an educator is so true is that we have to have it all together, but having it all together really is showing up authentically and being able to say, but I actually don't. And that there is just such a release of like, it's almost like you feel like you can breathe again when you feel like, okay, you know what? I, I can just be who I am. And if I'm feeling that as an adult, the power that that Mm -hmm. has for our students, if they can come to classrooms and show up very similarly to be able to honestly just open up and be, you know, in a space that they can be open to that learning and to the things that we, that we do need to teach them. Um, And so Mark, right now, obviously um, with what, you know, just happened in Texas as of yesterday and uh, teachers having to, you know, wake up this morning and go to school and, you know, looking at things with such a different, you know, perspective, not that we haven't seen this perspective before, not that this is a new perspective, but, um, a reminded perspective and looking at their students a little bit differently. And, you know, like you mentioned, moms, dads dropping their kids off at school and, you know, just in a state of fear in a state of, you know, do, do I have the confidence? I've, I've seen so many parents, you know, post to date. I don't even want to take my child to school or I'm not taking my child to school or, and, you know, kids are coming and they're maybe being told different things. And so right now specifically in education, obviously is another challenging period. And so, um, hearing all that you've shared so far and, and just the foundation for that you know, emotional science, scientist mindset and social emotional learning. And we all as educators know the power of it. Um, where do teachers begin right now? It's the end of the year and some people might only have a week left and some people have a couple weeks left, but what is it that teachers can, can do now to create that space and that idea that this is a safe space with so many questions of, is this really a safe space? What, what do you have any insider strategies, you know, for educators in this moment of education? Well, I think the first is, you know, give yourself the permission to feel, you know, be your true self. And, you know, there's a phrase in psychology that I really love and it's never worry alone. It's, you don't want to worry by yourself. And so the more we can be, with our partners, with our close friends, with our relatives, with our teams at school, you know, stay in relationship and be connected with others, the better we're going to be. Just we're wired to be connected. And so especially during these difficult times, um, our brains can, can go down, you know, a really dark path, you know, around rumination and worry when we're alone. And so I really recommend that people stay connected, you know, as much as possible. Uh, That to me is the ultimate, you know, piece. There are, um, you know, we can't change what happened, unfortunately. And so, 
what we can do is try to work towards a better future. Yeah. We can't guarantee kids safety. I don't think that we should be saying things like that because it's not real. It's not authentic. We can't guarantee much, but we can guarantee um, that we're doing everything we can, right, to support them. And you can let a child know, like, I'm here for you, and we're going to get through this together. And that messaging is really important because what the research would show is that the mere presence of someone that a child believes is really there for them unconditionally, it just helps their, helps their nervous system just be less activated, you know, and their, you know, their body is more at ease. And right now what I think we want to do is help people's bodies and minds be at ease, you know, especially children. And so that's my, my number one recommendation is stay connected um, and be that Uncle Marvin, you know, that I yeah. talk about in my book yeah. for, for your kids. I mean, it's just, you know, I think as educators, we think we have to do this grand gesture and, oh my goodness, what am I going to do now? And it's truly just showing up. It, it's, but it's showing up authentically so that they can know that they can show up authentically. And, you know, I think that teachers right now are saying, oh, but, but what if they're, they're going to be afraid and they're going to be scared? And so, you know, with your idea that there is no such thing as a bad emotion, what would your response be to teachers who are like, but I don't want to have these conversations or school's not a place for those conversations because then that's going to, you know, incite fear and I don't want my students to be afraid. And so what would your response to educators who might be very, you know, and rightfully so be feeling that right now? It's understandable. So, you know, I'll say this to you, right? It's understandable that you're having a tremendous number of emotions, you know, from fear to anxiety to sadness to grief. And it's okay. Like, that's what you're supposed to be feeling right now. And, and, and that's what your students might be feeling as well. But what we want to do, I think, at least, you know, an elementary school in particular, and, you know, at all levels, is just be the best possible role models for our kids. So find, find the strategies that work best for you so that you can be the most present for students. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I said, you don't want to make any strange promises. Um, you want to let them know, you know that you are there for them. You are there to listen to their concerns. You're not going to get, you know, I'm saying this like now, like talking to the talker, is what's super important here is that we, the adults who are raising and teaching kids, don't get activated and triggered, right, by what the students are asking us. Because it shows up in our facial expression. It shows up in our vocal tone. And so you may be hearing things that make you feel fear or anxiety, um, and that's when we have to learn how to take those breaths and understand that this is a child, you know, who is in need of support. And um, I'm going to take care of my own strategies by connecting with other adults in my community and and so I can feel like I've got that person to talk to about my feelings mm-hmm. and I'm also going to be that person you know for for the children but we got to take care of ourselves and take care of the kids right you just can't lose yourself you know in that classroom yeah. because we know that's unhelpful and unhealthy yeah and um, I don't think we need I think you know and I'll say something that you know I'm out of you know we're all feeling deep trauma, you know, 
from this experience. And I just want to say, I just thank goodness, you know, thank God actually, that um, that 99.99% of the people that we know in the world are good people, right? They want to make the, the, our country a better place. It doesn't matter what their politics are. Most people really want, everyone wants their kids to be healthy and happy. And unfortunately, you know, we've ha we have things that happen, like what happened yesterday in Texas, that, you know, throw us, you know, and push us towards, you know, places that, you know, we get activated and we get scared, rightly so. But I, we need to remind ourselves, you know, that, you know, the thousand kids in your school and their parents, most of the parents just want the best thing for their kid. They're really good people. They work hard. Um, and I feel like that's very, that's very relief. I remind myself of that when these, when these really dark things happen. I'm like, you know, people are, most people really are good people. Yeah. I mean, we have to remind ourselves of those truths. Like that's what we have to hold on to because, you know, especially for those of us speaking of myself specifically with, you know, anxiety in general, um, it's easy to really take something and make it, you know, that this is everywhere and this is every situation. And this is, you know, that's, that tends to be a lot of time, how, times how my brain functions. And so the power of, but the truths are, and, and knowing what those truths are can be so powerful. And, you know, the, uh, us being able to regulate. And so, um, thank you for that. And Mark, this has been so helpful for me. And I know this is going to be incredibly helpful for educators as they navigate these next few weeks to, you know, round out a, a, a school year, to round out a good school year for, for so many kids and so many educators, um, not taking away from the fact that it wasn't hard and there's been challenges, but it's been productive and there's been growth and there's been those beautiful moments. And so, um, I just want, before we wrap up here for you to share a little bit about the work that you do specifically in schools with the ruler approach. And I know that needs to, that'd be a whole nother two hour <laughs> conversation about that work, but, um, specifically for schools and how they access your team and the work that you guys do. Um, because I am in full support of every school bringing you and your team to be able to learn, um, about how to do this work with students because I feel like why are we worried about sta standardized testing and academics if we're not meeting students where they are emotionally first so if you can just give us a little bit of information about the work that you do in schools thank you um, well the work started back when I was a teenager I'm just gonna give you a little history because it's relevant and my uncle Marvin who was my savior and hero in life who I disclosed all the things that were happening to me to um, you know, he's the one who really pulled me out, you know, and and gave me strength and gave me language and gave me strategies to deal with my difficult life experiences and emotions. And when I got to be in my 20s and I'm like, what am I going to do with my life? I realized that I wanted to check in with my Uncle Marvin again. And long story short is that we decided to write a curriculum together based on everything he was doing as a teacher, because he was a teacher in the middle, a middle school teacher. I was like this like wannabe psychologist and we put our work we put our minds together I did all the science research and he did the practitioner work and we came together and we wrote a book 25 years ago 30 years ago and the truth is we failed uh, we were it just I realized that it was difficult for many people to be an Uncle Marvin 
and you know not everybody wanted to share how they were feeling and not everybody wanted to know how kids were feeling because they weren't prepared to know what to do with that information and so I said dear Uncle Marvin I love you to death and everything you did for me was great but we need to like we need to go beyond that now and we need to think about what do we do to support the adults in building their own emotional intelligence skills so there can be both manage their own feelings but also be better prepared to work with kids and so we went in that direction we started really working with amazingly creative educators and thinking through what are the tools what are the strategies to support educators own development and then school leaders got in our way you know they would say things like you know we don't have time for this and we'll start doing the social emotional learning work after the state tests you know in may and i'm like well that's ridiculous so now we've got to work with the leaders of schools and they've got to understand the science and the practice of emotional intelligence and then we realized that superintendents make big decisions for their districts and we've got to get them on board and school boards and then parents and then we started in middle school then we went up to high school then we went down to elementary school and then we went down to preschool and so now what ruler is is a preschool all the way to high school approach to social emotional learning you know that applies the science of social and emotional learning to how leaders lead, teachers teach, and students learn. And um, it's effortful. I, I, I just tell people that up front. You know, I, I'm still trying to unlearn some of the unhealthy ways I've dealt with my emotions. And I'm 52. Yeah. Yeah. And I spend yeah. like a lot of time on this. <laughs> and if I think like, like, you know, how many of us had like moments during the pandemic where you said something you regretted to someone you cared about, right? You know, or, you we know, don't wanna, we don't want to count those. We don't want to count those right now. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, my mother-in-law, I might have shared this. I don't know. My mother-in-law got stuck with us because uh, she's from Panama and there were no flights back to Panama during the pandemic for the first nine months. And there was one night and she's like, you know, are you really the director of the Center for Emotional Intelligence? <laughs> and I looked at her. I'm like, not tonight. Not tonight. <laughs> And it was like a nightmare in my home. It was like, everybody was just like, we were all combusting, you know? I'm not used to working from home. I'm not used to having my mother-in-law with me for months oh, at end. We were all and there. We were all yeah. there. <laughs> and so I just, when we do this work with schools, we just want them to, to understand and be compassionate to themselves and to their communities that this is hard work, but it's so important. And yeah. so... Yes, it's going to take a couple of years to fully integrate this and make it, you know, part of the immune system. But what's the alternative? Another assembly? Another yeah. workshop? And so yeah. I just want to encourage schools to really think about how do you make your environment from people's belief systems to their skills to the culture and climate to pedagogy, to policy. How do you make all that informed yeah. by the science of social and emotional learning? And that's my dream. Man, well, I am grateful for the work that you do and how it has helped me both personally and professionally. So thank you, Mark, for thank you. putting your passion out into the world because I know it, like I said, personally and professionally for me, it has made such a big difference. Um, so for our listeners, how can they connect with you, learn more about you, find information, get, get your books? Where can they gather all of those thank resources? You. 
So there's two websites that I'll just drive people to. One is my personal website, which is just markbracket.com. It's M-A-R-C, bracket, B-R-A-C-K-E-T-T.com. And you can learn more about my book, Permission to Feel, and read articles. And then for those who are interested in Ruler, which is our approach to social and emotional learning, um, it's just rulerapproach.org. And then, of course, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. And I always forget which is which, but it's mark.bracket on Instagram and Mark Brackett on Twitter. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I want you to know, Mark, that I tell every human being, I'm like, I have said this so many times, every educator that I work with, I'm like, if you do not read the book Permission to Feel, no. I, I mean, obviously for educators, but I truly think that it is a resource that every single human being needs to read because it, it's what our world needs. It's what our world needs with the empathy and the compassion and trying to understand where people are coming from before we pass judgment. That is just a skill that, like you said, when everybody possesses and you finally get to retire because you've done your work in schools and you've gotten schools where they need to be, um, truly the work that you do is making the world a better place. And I know you don't need to hear that from me, but just know from an educator's perspective. (laughs) From an educator's perspective, man, it, it truly is just life-changing life-changing so thank you for being willing to put it out into the world and thank you for listening and being a i call people that are like you my emotion revolutionaries so uh (laughs) thank you for being a revolutionary um around this work because um i can't say you know that my book or ruler is a magic pill but i do believe that you know reading about this and applying it to your life is a really important first step in having um, our dreams come true. Awesome. Well, this, especially for this time, but all the time, um, just once again, Mark, thank you for sharing your wisdom with all of us educators. Um, it's, it's something that we all just need that reassurance of um, to help continue to make differences with students. So thank you so much for being on the podcast, Mark. Such an amazing conversation with Mark. I hope that you were able to pull some inspiration for yourself. Um, I don't want to say that I hope this puts you at ease because right now I don't think that is a possible emotion. But I hope that through listening to him, realizing that we don't have to shoulder all of the emotions of our students, but instead we get to empower them to work through and to feel things and that that is okay to feel things, but that there's also strategies and techniques to help them cope with those. Um, Like Mark said, if we can get every human on board with this, what a change in our world we would see. So teachers, you are the change makers. You are the game changers for so many kids. Keep showing up and you don't have to show up in a perfect way. You just have to show up as you. We'll see you next week, everybody.